0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to open them to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to take a brief break from our study in 1 Samuel to look at an ordinance that's incredibly special to us as a church family. As you're finding your place in God's Word, I want to welcome those of uh, uh, you who are joining us via our live stream, also the venue service meeting right down the hall. And Reach Church DeSoto, we're grateful for each and every one of you. So once a year, uh, we set aside a time to address the ordinance of baptism. We recognize two ordinances in the church here at Lenexa Baptist Church, one being the ordinance of baptism, the other being the ordinance of communion and Lord's Supper. And both of these ordinances are incredibly significant to us because both of these ordinances picture the gospel, So they demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, and really they demonstrate how do we come to know God. And so they're incredibly significant uh, to our heart. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to baptisms, there's a vast uh, array of beliefs about how it should be done, when it should be done. And what I want us to do briefly this morning is to look at what God's word has to say. Because it really doesn't matter what I think, doesn't really matter what you think, it really matters what God's word says. And I believe God's word is incredibly clear. I believe God gives us some very clear instruction as it relates to this important ordinance of baptism. So before we go any further and we look into God's word, let's just pray together. Let's pause and prepare our hearts to hear and receive from God's word this morning. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. And God, we don't have to look very far in scripture to see that baptism is is significant Lord I pray this this morning for this time for this hour as somebody's watching online or maybe they're watching at reach church or the venue God I pray that you would help them to lay aside any presupposition that they might have I pray that we would come to your word with teachable hearts and submissive spirits God, I pray that we would hear your word, and I pray that you'd give me the ability to communicate it clearly, that I wouldn't muddy the water. But what you've asked us to do in this ordinance would be abundantly clear. And I pray if there's any that don't know you, they trust in you today. I pray if there's some who need to obey you in the ordinance of baptism today, they would be obedient. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. In Matthew 3, 13 through 17, Matthew 3, 13 through 17, the first thing that we note about baptism is that Jesus himself was baptized. So if you'll look with me, Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, it says, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus answering, said to him, permitted at this time, for in this way it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. Behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized by him. John argues, hey, listen, I don't need to be baptizing you, you, you need to be baptizing me. And you'll note here, Jesus does not argue with him. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, John. You, Jesus says, you're exactly right. I, I probably do need to be baptizing you, but this time, you're gonna baptize me. We're gonna permit it for now in order to fulfill all righteousness. One of the things that you see about Christ's life, specifically as you read Matthew's Gospel, reading to a Jewish audience, is that Matthew is very careful to point out to us very plainly that Jesus fulfills all righteousness. He's in perfect keeping with the law of God in every way because he himself is God. And that way, he wrote the law. He's in perfect keeping, though. He humbles himself, and he doesn't have to get baptized, but he humbles himself. He identifies with the people that he came to save, you and me, and also in his baptism, he foreshadows his death and resurrection. We're gonna learn a little later that baptism is a symbolic picture of our death to sin and new life to Christ. Now, now, Jesus doesn't need to die to sin because he's never sinned. He's God. But what he will picture in his baptism is a foreshadowing of his eventual death for our sin and his resurrection to new life. But it's important for us to see here that Jesus himself is baptized, and notice the response of God from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I really believe that when a Christian places their faith in Christ and goes public, that Christ is pleased. So the first thing that we see is we see the example of Christ. Jesus himself was baptized. Secondly, we know that Jesus commissions his disciples to baptize. You'll see a verse on the screen, John three twenty-two. It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. And then in John chapter 4, verse 2, there's some clarification. Although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. So this is important. John wants you to know Jesus didn't baptize anybody. Why would that be important? Because can't you imagine if somebody got baptized by Jesus, they would say, My baptism was more significant than your baptism. But there's also a greater lesson for us to learn here that the significance of your baptism is not based on the person who baptizes you, it is your personal faith in Jesus Christ that makes your baptism significant. But what we're seeing here is Jesus is baptized and then he commissions his disciples to go out and baptize. In fact, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, he tells them again to do what? Go and make disciples of, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, I want you to go out in the world. This is your mission. Go out there and make disciples. The very first thing I want you to do baptize them. And guess what we see? We see the disciples, the apostles, following through on that command. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, Peter goes, all the Jews gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit descends, and Peter, you remember, he stands forward in front of this huge audience, and he proclaims Christ he proclaims Christ on the basis of God's word. He quotes from the prophet Joel. He quotes from Psalms. And he says, this Jesus whom you crucified is the Messiah. He's the one who came to die for your sins and you're guilty. And guess what it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says to them in verse 38, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they're pierced to the heart. They're experiencing conviction of sin. They're recognizing Jesus as, as Messiah. And, and what does Peter say you need to do? They go, well, what do we gotta do? Peter says repent, meaning that you turn, repentance is turning from your sin Turning from your sin and turning to Christ and believing and trusting in him as your only hope of salvation. He says, repent, repent. turn from your sin, trust in Christ, and then what? And be baptized. And the picture we see here is, is that faith in Christ and baptism are closely linked. And 3,000 people Repent of their sins, trust in Christ, and get baptized on that day. And this is the pattern that we see throughout the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, it's interesting, the Ethiopian eunuch, you remember this story. Philip just so happens, God places him at the right place at the right time. There he is, the Ethiopian eunuch's in his chariot. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. God says, Philip, go tell him. What he's reading, Philip goes up to him, explains that what he's reading, I believe he was reading Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant who would come to die, and Philip tells him, who you're reading about is the one who is prophesied who would come, Jesus Christ, and he has come, and he's died for your sins, and he's made a way of salvation. And the Ethiopian eunuch, his eyes are open to the depth of his sin and the beauty of Christ. Look at what it says, or listen to what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And in verse 37, Philip says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. So what is he saying about baptism? The prerequisite for baptism is what? Faith and belief in Christ. Philip says, If you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, you You may, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he ordered that the chariot stop, and they both went down into the water. Repeatedly what we see is people going down into the water, immersion, and then coming back out. It says Philip, as well as the eunuch, and he he baptized him. So the pattern we see is faith in Christ followed by baptism. Baptism always follows faith. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus, and you remember uh, there. He has this conversion experience, amazing conversion experience, and he's blinded. And God directs who? A guy named Ananias to go to Saul and further explain to him the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So Ananias clarifies the gospel. Saul believes in Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 18 of Acts 9, And he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, Peter goes to Cornelius, and he preaches the gospel to Cornelius and his family. And in verse 47 of Acts 10, having seen evidence of faith, they get baptized. In Acts 16, Paul is in in Philippi and he encounters a lady down by the river named Lydia, a God fearing woman. And God opens her heart to the good news of Jesus Christ that Christ is Messiah, Messiah, and she's guilty, she's a sinner, and she trusted in Jesus Christ as her Savior. And then, guess what she does? She gets baptized. In Acts chapter 16, later, Paul and Silas, they're in a prison cell and, and they're singing praises to God. In the midst of their praises, the trial, they're singing and the, the, there's an earthquake and the, the prison doors swing open and the jailer thinks, well, they're all going to leave now and then they're going to want my head. So he's about to take his own life and Paul and Silas say, don't do, don't do it, we're right here, we're not going anywhere. And he says, I need to talk to you guys. And Paul and Silas have an opportunity to tell, them, tell him about the good news of Jesus Christ, and his family hears the gospel. They believe in Jesus Christ, and guess what they do? They get baptized. And we could go on and on and on and on. The picture we see is is that a person trusts in Jesus Christ? Is their person Lord and Savior? And then they follow in obedience to God's command and they get baptized. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ demands a turning away from sin and turning towards Christ for salvation. Now, spiritually speaking, that is demonstrated in repentance and faith. So the gospel demands a radical turning, and it's spiritually demonstrated in repentance and faith, and it's symbolically demonstrated in the ordinance of baptism. Faith and belief in Christ and baptism are always connected in the New Testament. You will not find one without the other. There's the preaching of the gospel, there's faith and repentance, and then there's baptism. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter uh, preaches the gospel and you see 3,000 people, can you imagine that? 3,000 people line up trusting in Christ and getting baptized. But do you know what I believe? I believe if any one of those individuals that was in that line, any one of that 3,000, had stepped out of line and looked at Peter and said, Peter, you know what, I, I, I like this Christ thing and salvation thing, but I'm not gonna get baptized. Now make no mistake about it, salvation is based on faith alone. We'll be very clear, salvation is based on faith alone. But if one of those 3,000 had stepped out of line and said, Peter, I want the salvation, but I don't want to get baptized, you know what I think Peter would have said? Then, brother, you don't get it. You don't understand what Christ has done for you. Throughout the New Testament, I cannot say it loudly enough or clearly enough, throughout the New Testament, the picture is a person places their faith in Christ in obedience to his word. They get baptized as a public demonstration of what they believed So I want to be very clear this morning. What is baptism? Let's just be, I want to be as clear as I possibly can be. Number one, know this about baptism. It's a personal command. Baptism is a personal command. We see it in the Great Commission. Christ has commanded that all those who want to be his disciples, who trust in him, he commands them to be baptized. Pastor Cho was teaching our new members class a few weeks back and he's talking about the word of God. He made a great statement. He said, the word of God, we don't have to rationalize the word of God for it to be true, meaning you don't have to understand it for the word of God to be true. And a prerequisite for obedience is not that you completely understand everything Jesus asks you to do. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, guess what you're acknowledging? Number one, you're acknowledging that he is the Lord of my life. What does it mean to be the Lord? That he's your master. And see, this is the thing about Jesus. He thinks he's God and he thinks you're not. And when he gives you a command, he expects you to follow it. A lot of people, I don't understand this. Listen to me. There's a lot of commands that Jesus may give you in your life that you don't fully understand. But I'll tell you this, blessings always follow obedience to Christ. The number one reason why we get baptized is because Christ commanded it. Be baptized. It's a personal command. Now, the one exception, what's the one exception that's always thrown out? The one guy, I hear it all the time. What's the one guy that's always thrown out? Y'all say it together because I'll get an email this week. That's why I'm going to go ahead and address it now. The 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 thief on the cross. There we. The thief on the cross didn't get baptized, so I don't have to get baptized. Listen to me. The thief on the cross didn't get baptized, not because he didn't want to, because he couldn't. So if you're strapped to a cross, we'll give you a pass, all right? If that's, if that's your hang-up, we'll, we'll let it slide for you. Listen to me this morning. I want to be clear. Don't mishear me, because some of you are going to go out here and you're going to say, well, Pastor Chad said that baptism is a necessity for salvation. Listen to me. Salvation is based on faith in Christ alone. But listen to me. Scripture also says Faith without works is dead. The picture here is if you truly understand what Christ has done for you in his public humiliation for your sins and death on a cross, then your question will not be, What can I get away with and still be a Christian? Your question will be, What do I got to do? And I don't care what happens to me. So we, we do this because it's a personal command. But secondly, we do it as a public confession, a public confession. It's interesting to me, because today, the way we do baptism, we do baptism in a closed-door sanctuary. Listen, you get baptized. Say the vast majority of us in here, we know Jesus Christ. Guess what we're going to do when you get baptized? We're going to applaud. Um, when, when people got baptized in Jesus' day, they didn't get baptized in a closed door room. They didn't get baptized in a nice warm baptistry. They got baptized in a public location for everybody to see. You know, I, I used to read the Great Commission, and I would say, why in the world would, would the first thing Jesus want us to do? Because you read the Great Commission go and make disciples and baptize them. The very first thing, and remember, <laughs> None of God's word is just incidental. Every word of God, even the order in which God gives us his word, is intentional. And he says to us, the very first thing I want you to do, be baptized. Why? I would have said, make disciples and teach them to obey God's word. Now, he puts that in there. But he puts baptism first. Why? Here's what I believe. In the first century, if you got baptized, a public location, everybody to see, and Christianity wasn't very popular. If you went public, it was a big deal, especially for a Jew. For a Jew to go public in identification with Jesus Christ and to say, the guy that we crucified is now my Savior, he's now my Lord, and I don't care who, knows about it and I don't care what you do to me I'm following that guy listen you did that you could lose your job you could lose your friends you could lose your family and ultimately you could lose your life so why would Jesus make that the first thing do you know why I think I think because Jesus wanted to know at the outset are you really serious about following me As in, people say, well, my, my, my faith in Christ, that's, that's a private matter. Listen to me, salvation, your salvation, it's personal, but it is not private. You cannot trust in Jesus Christ and then go incognito. Do you know what I think one of the greatest threats to Christianity today It's not liberalism. It's not wokeism. You want to know what I think the greatest threat to Christianity today is? It's Christians who have gone incognito trying to slip into heaven without ever telling anybody about the good news of Jesus Christ. You can't come to know Christ and keep it to yourself. It's intended to be public. Jesus wanted to know, are, are you willing to go public? Now, does Jesus already know your heart? When you give your life to Christ, does he already know your heart? Yes, yeah, shake your head. He's sovereign. He's, he knows everything. So why would he ask you to do it in that way? Because what we th- see throughout scripture is that even though God knows your heart, he longs to see you demonstrate your faith and trust in him in a public way. You can think about this very practically. Husbands, imagine if you went home this afternoon and told your wife, honey, I love you. I love you a whole lot, but you know what? I think I'm tired of wearing this this wedding ring, you know, because here's the deal. I don't really want anybody to know that I love you. Now, if you're still alive after you make that (laughs) statement, you're gonna realize something very clearly. Your wife doesn't just wanna hear the words. She wants to see in a public way that you love her God in a far more infinite way longs to see his children demonstrate their their faith and trust in him that's what you're doing in baptism you're telling the world I don't care what you do to me Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross you got to be willing to die you got to lay it all down your reputation I told our students on Wednesday night if we really did this in a biblical fashion we would baptize you on the front steps to your school at eight o'clock when all the other kids were going in. You know what we'd find out really quickly? We'd find out really quickly who was really serious about following Jesus. And that's what Jesus wanted to know. It's a public confession, in fact you'll see it on the screen, therefore everyone who confesses me before men I'll also confess him before my Father is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men I'll also deny him before my Father is in heaven. Here's the next question, what are you confessing? You're confessing Christ is Lord. You're confessing that your life is under new management. Even more than this, you're picturing in your, in your baptism a death to sin. You're going under the water. You're dying. And you're being raised through faith in Christ. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. When you become a Christian, you're not just following the moral teachings of Christ. Following Christ is not just you trying to be a better version of yourself. That's what some of you are trying to do today. You're like, I'm going to try. I'm going to grit my teeth. It's American way. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to become a better man or a better woman. Listen, Christianity is not you becoming a better person. It's you dying to your old self and being reborn through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you're trying to fix yourself this morning, know this. You are the problem. And you've got to die and be raised. Paul says it this way in Romans 6, 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In so many ways, that baptismal pool is a grave grave. Because that's what you're demonstrating. It's why you you say, well, Pastor, why do y'all feel so strongly about immersion? Because listen, when you get baptized, you're preaching the gospel. Did you know that? Every time we take communion, guess what we're preaching? Paul says, "You're preaching the Lord's death until He comes." You, we, every time we take communion, we're preaching the gospel. Now, only believers partake in the Lord's Supper, but every time we partake this Lord's Supper, we're communicating, evangelizing the lost who might be there that this is what God has done for you, and this is the way to know Him. Every time somebody gets baptized, they get to preach the gospel. And guess what? We're really serious about here. We're really serious about the gospel. We don't want to pull the old bait and switch. We don't want to give you a false idea of what baptism really is. Baptism is not a cleansing. It's a death and new life, which is why we take immersion very, very seriously. In fact, the word baptizo re- literally means to immerse, to go under and to come out. So you're making a public confession. Finally, it's post-conversion. The pattern of Scripture is that a person places their faith in Christ and they get baptized. Since baptism is an expression of what's already occurred in your heart through faith, it can only be experienced by believers. Said another way, if baptism is an expression of faith that already exists in your heart, it's not something that a non-believer can do. It's not something that an infant can do. Throughout the New Testament, we do not see one baptism of a person who has not already placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. So let me be very, very clear here. The idea of you being saved as an infant through the faith of another person, your parent, is not biblical. God does not have grandchildren. Your parents can't save you. Uh, Some of you, you may have walked an aisle as a child and you had no clue what you were doing. You made no real commitment to Christ, and you got baptized. You just got dunked in a pool, but it had no real significance in your life because you had no real faith in your heart. Let me be clear. God is not impressed with wet sinners. There's nothing supernatural about that water. It's what's occurred in your heart through faith that matters most. It's your faith in Christ that makes those waters significant. And so maybe you walked an aisle as a child it had no real meaning on your life, but maybe later on you made a genuine commitment to Christ. You placed your faith in him for salvation. For the very first time, you truly understood what it meant to follow Christ. Can I tell you, if you've never been baptized post-conversion, you need to get baptized. You know, the number one question that I get concerning baptism is this, is baptism necessary for salvation? I pray I've already answered that question salvation is by faith in Christ alone but a lot of times what I feel is that when a person asks is baptism necessary for salvation what they're really asking is is there a way for me to be a Christian and not get baptized and folks can I just be honest with you if you're asking that question that's a wrong question to be asking Listen, the only logical response to a Savior who would give up the glory of heaven and die on a cross in public humiliation, stripped naked on a cross, die for your sins. God himself, who is perfectly sinless, to take your sins upon himself and die for you so that you could have a relationship with God forever. The only logical response to that kind of salvation is not what can I get away with but what must I do? And so, let's just be clear. Do you need to get baptized? Because some of you are asking that question. Let me just go through some examples. Number one, you were baptized as an infant, but you had no real faith. You don't even remember that moment. May have had significance in your parents' life, but it had no no significance in your life. But later on, you came to a moment, maybe when you were 17 or 27, and you truly gave your life to Christ you need to get baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a child. You're just going through the motions. It had no real significance in your life. Later on, you trusted in Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you need to get baptized. Oftentimes I get the question and people will come to me and say, I'm not sure, I'm praying through this. I'm not sure if my salvation was real at seven or 17 or 27, I'm not sure. Can I just, here's the deal, there's only two people who can answer that question, you and God. I really wish there was kind of a litmus test. If you check all five boxes, you need to get baptized. It doesn't work that way. But I truly believe if you seek the Lord, he'll give you a peace. Here's what I would also say. If you're here today and you do not have certainty about whether or not you are truly saved, first of all, get that nailed down. Christ gets no glory from a Christian who doesn't know whether or not they truly know him. Get that right Christ didn't come so that you could hope you were going to heaven. Christ came that you could know that you're going not to heaven. Not because you're a good person, but because God is a great Savior. And when he saves you, he saves you from start to finish. First of all, nail that down. And then beyond that, ask yourself, is this truly the moment of salvation? And do I need to get baptized And God will give you clarity. If he's moving in your heart, if you're really uncomfortable, why would you remain in a place of uncomfortableness? Why wouldn't you make it right, trust God, and walk in obedience to his word? Some of you, you were sprinkled. Baptism is not a cleansing. It's a death to sin. You need to get baptized. Some of you don't know Christ at all. You're here today. You're convicted of your sin. You know you don't know Christ. Last night, we had a young man come forward, never trusted in Christ before, He came and said, I want to know that I know that I'm I'm saved. And we got a chance to pray with him, to trust in Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And then guess what he did? He got baptized. And guess what we're going to do today? We're going to give you an opportunity to be baptized today. Right now, no excuses. If you're at Reach Church DeSoto, that includes you. We're ready for you at reach. If you're in the venue service right down the hall, we're ready for you there. If you're watching online, get in your car. Come on. We're gonna give you time. We'll wait. You get here. Why wouldn't you make this right? But some of you, you know, if you're looking for an excuse, any excuse will do. But some of you got some excuses. Some of you are saying to yourself right now, you know, Pastor, I would love to get baptized, but my family's not here, and I you know, I want to do it when my family can see Guess what, in 2022, we got this technology called cameras. It's amazing. And they push record on them, and they actually record something. And then, you know what's even more amazing than that? They can give you a link. And you can disperse that link with anybody, anywhere, anytime. You want know something cool? Get baptized this morning. Get a link to your baptism, put it on your Facebook page, put it on your social media, and tell the world what Christ has done for you and you go public. How how, how big of a witness would that be? No excuses. Some of you, you say, Pastor, I don't don't want to join the church. I'm not ready to join the church. This is not about church membership. We're We're not going to mess with church. This is about you being obedient to Christ's word. Our goal as a church is to remove any obstacle from you being obedient in any way God is moving. Some of you, it's not an understanding problem. It's a practical problem. You say, I don't have my stuff. I don't have clothes. We got everything, all right? We got everything. This is not our first rodeo. We've been doing this for years. We got everything you could possibly need. Some of you are saying, well, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Listen, it's not even about you. It's about glorifying Christ. It's about telling the world, I love him more than anything else. That I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, I believe that Christ is never more proud of us than when we publicly identify with him regardless of what it costs us. No excuse is sufficient. Was this a priority to Christ? First thing he told us to do post-conversion. What Christ prioritized, you better not minimize. So here's what we're gonna do. Pastor Bill's gonna come. He's gonna lead us in a song. Right now, I want you to just bow your heads, close your eyes. Reach Church at Soto, venue service right now. As Pastor Bill begins to make his way forward, if you're at Reach Church right now, you, you know right now God's working in your heart. You're convicted over this issue. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you know Christ, but you know in your heart you've never been Biblically baptized, you've had all kinds of excuses. I'm praying right now that you would take a huge step of faith and you would step out, you'd take a pastor by hand and say, I need to get baptized today. And you would make this right. You wouldn't leave here and not be walking in obedience. You'd know the joy. I say this all the time, you'll never regret obeying Jesus. So Lord, I pray right now, everybody in this room, everybody at Reach Church, everybody in the venue service, God, work in their heart. If they're not in fellowship with you, God, you know my heart. My heart is not to cause anybody to doubt their salvation. But I want to remove any excuse that somebody might have from walking in obedience to your word. So God, move in your hearts. Move in their hearts as, as, as you desire, as you seek fit. Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.